Um, good morning. Good morning. Uh, first time preaching here at Northgate. Uh, I grew up here, though. I don't know if some of you guys might know me. Some of you be like, who's this guy? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I grew up here. I'm Dan's son. Uh, I've been gone for a couple years working in YWAM, which is a missions organization. And I've been on a few different continents and seen a little bit and learned a lot. God has been so good. And so just have a message for us this morning. So let's pray before we begin. Uh, thank you, Jesus, God, that, um, that you're here, Father, that you're present, God. I, yeah, I just pray in anticipation, God, for what you want to do, Lord. And I'm, and I'm so thankful, God, that, um, that you're here and with this body, God. I, I thank you for Northgate, God. I thank you, um, God, for the fellowship that we have together, God. And I just pray, Lord, that you would have your way, Holy Spirit, that you would just move and work in the way that you, that you need to, God. And I just thank you so much, Father. Amen. Okay, so if you would like to turn with me to James chapter 5, verse 11. Um, I'm reading New King James, and yeah, whatever translation, that's awesome. Just follow along. Uh, James chapter 5, verse 11. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. And so James uh, right now is just talking a bit in the context. He's addressing believers who um, are going through a lot of tribulation, are going through trials. And he's, and he's telling them from verse 7 to 12 is, be patient, persevere in what you're doing. And he uses this example, the example of Job. And so we're actually going to study Job this morning. We're going to look at Job. We're going to look at his character. And Job is uh, not an easy character in the Bible. Uh, he's not easy to understand. He's not easy to kind of understand what, what, is, what are you doing, God, in this situation? Why is this complex story here, the story that makes us question so much in our lives when we read this? But on the other hand, Job is also somebody almost relatable because often we have things in our lives where we're like, God, I don't understand why this is happening to me, and, and you're not quite sure if there's something in Job's situation happening, or you, you don't understand, and so we sometimes find Job very relatable, and we're like, yeah, I can relate to Job, I don't understand, and so I'm just going to walk through the story of Job a little bit with you guys, and we're going to see what God has for us this morning. Um, so it's important when we read Job, um, who, uh, just for familiarity, who knows the story of Job? I don't want to leave anybody out here. Um, so Job was a man who uh, was, um, he is considered, he was a very wealthy man in the Eastern culture, or in the time of Israel, a bit before then, we think. And so, Job was somebody who was considered blameless. Job was this blameless man. Even God states it in Job chapter 1. He says, um, Job is a man who does what is right and shuns evil. And so, when we read Job, we have to kind of shift a, a first century mindset because they, they have a very different context when you read the book. And so we might read blameless and, and doing upright as, yeah, Job did all the right things. But more importantly, that as Job is somebody who is very blessed. When you read chapter 1 of Job, it says he has um, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen. And for those of us who, like, that's a lot of money within that time and culture. For us, we, I wouldn't know what to do with 500 yoke of oxen. But Job apparently had something up that, that was very wealthy. And so... Um, what this meant is Job is somebody who is in good relationship with God. 
Relationship in the culture of Israel means blessing. When you come together, there is a sense of unity, there is a sense of good relationship, and blessing outflows from that. If you remember the story of Abraham, he meets Melchizedek, who is somebody who comes to him, and they have, they have relationship because they share a meal together. They actually share communion, bread and wine. But it's, it's this sense of blessing, and, and the result of that is blessing. And so Job is somebody who is in a good relationship of God. That is what the, the author is trying to state, is he is somebody who is doing well with God in this situation and story. Um, and we also have to remember, in Job's time, he doesn't have Jesus. He doesn't have much background in really anything that we know today. He doesn't even know if there's an afterlife. He's somebody who is in good relationship in the life that he has, and he's being blessed by it. Um, and so what happens in the story is there's an accusation against Job. And it says in chapter 1 of Job, verse 6 through 12, um, I'm not going to read everything, but I'm just going to paraphrase here, that Satan, who is actually, the, the word is, the Satan in Hebrew means the opposer, the accuser. So Job is living this blameless life with God, and there's an accuser. There's somebody who comes against Job, and he says, God, you are, Job is blameless because you are protecting him. You are giving him everything he needs. There is nothing that Job lacks in relationship with you. And so that is why he serves you. And so it's this idea of Job's integrity is put to the test. And this, and this idea of, an, is, is God simply bribing Job into obedience? Is, and so that's what Satan challenges here. He says, God, is Job just being bribed into obedience? And God says, you can do what you want. I know Job will stay faithful to me. And actually that happens. And so Job loses everything. He loses his family, he loses everything, and it's actually the, the losing of relationship what is most important to him. And, and you can read in Job chapter 19, verse um, 1 to 22, it's this idea, is he, he becomes somebody who is cut off from everybody. He's cut off from his friends, his family, his own wife tells him to curse God and to die. You read that in Job chapter 2. So he's somebody who becomes so isolated. And, and we can relate to that sometimes in our lives we can feel isolated. And sometimes that happens, and, and, and sometimes we can be in, in such a maybe good state in terms of an outward, but we feel isolated and we feel cut off. And so for Job, who, who is in this context of my blessing is from relationship with God, what do you think the lack of blessing means? Something is not right in his relationship with God. This is what he understands. He feels cut off. He says, God, I was in good relationship with you. I don't know what I've done but I suddenly have been cut off from relationship with you. And that is something that's very relatable to us. <laughs> Sometimes we feel cut off in relationship with God. We say, God, where are you? I, I feel like I did the right thing and things go downhill and I feel cut off from you. What, what did I do? And it's very hard because Job doesn't understand what is happening. In his mind, he's just lost that relationship with God like that. And so three friends come to Job, actually four friends, and what they believe is this, I'm going to use a technical word here, but it's called the retribution principle. And basically, that is an understanding that good people get good things and bad people get bad things. That, that's kind of understandable, right? You know, Proverbs has a lot of that in the book. You, you read the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is all about you, the, the one who gives will be blessed or the one who scatters yet increases more. You know, We kind of have sayings like that. And so... These, these friends of Job believe very strongly in this principle. And so when they see something happen to Job, what do you think they think? Job, you've done something wrong. Because if God is just, and God is involved with everything, so in their time, as, as we kind of believe that too, but in their time as well, deities, or the gods, or God, was involved in everything that happened. Rain, 
snow, like harvest. It was, everything was involved with that. And so when Job all of a sudden loses everything mysteriously, they're saying, Job, this is not mysterious. God has done something, and if God is just, and we believe in this principle, there's one person wrong here, and it's Job. But Job, on the other hand, says, no, I, I believe I'm right, and I believe God is just, then there's the principle. The principle must be wrong. And so there's this conflict that happens in Job's friendship, and there's a lot of dialogue. There is a lot of dialogue. It's like 30-something chapters of dialogue, and, and sometimes it's hard for us to get through, but this is basically what they're discussing. Is Job, how can you be right, and God be right, and this principle be right? There's something that doesn't add up here in the formula. Um, and so we sometimes kind of throw Job's friends under the, the I guess under the bus is an expression, and be like, oh, they're so wrong for judging Job. But if you believed in that, and, and we mostly believe that good people get good things, it's a little hard to us to come to, stand, come to terms, but this is also their security. If this isn't right, if this idea of good people get good things and bad people get bad things isn't right, where does that leave them? They don't know about God much. They just know that he gives good people good things and bad people bad things. So this is their security. This is what they put their hope in. They put their hope in this principle, their understanding of who God is. And I would begin to say already, that is super applicable to us. Sometimes we put our hope in what we think God is rather than God himself. We believe things sometimes about God, and sometimes when they're tested, we think God is in the wrong, rather than what we sometimes believe about God. And, and God has brought me through so much of that process in my life where I've believed things often through experiences. And I would say often in, in our lives, in human lives, experiences shape us sometimes a lot more than the things that we learn shape us. Sometimes what we experience becomes our reality. And that can be very, very difficult sometimes to come to terms with. I know in my life I've experienced things and, and, and that's what I've concluded about God. Sometimes when I've made decisions and, and they haven't been right, but I thought I was following God and I was like, God, if this is what it means, what does this experience say about you? Does that mean you're wrong or does that mean I was wrong? I don't know. And so this is where Job's position is. And so Job's struggle is he is in a state of utter shame. In, his, in, in the, uh, the culture that he's from, being shunned from God and from others around him is isolation and it's shame. In a culture where honor shame is so important, he's in a place of isolation, shame, and he doesn't know what, what God is doing. He saw God as a protector and a provider. God was the one who put the hedge around him, and all of a sudden that's stripped away. What, what does that mean for him now? And, and it's interesting. Um, some people would say that, that Job almost seems God is like a father figure. He's somebody who provides and protects, and often that's key roles of fatherhood. And so for Job to suddenly be stripped of that, he's asking this big question, where is my father? Where is God? And, and, and sometimes that's what we do. Where is God? And, and it's interesting, his name in Hebrew means one who is afflicted but, or an object of enmity, which means somebody who is pressed, somebody who is um, really, I guess, struck. But often, but there's actually another translation of Job's name. In, in certain languages, it means, where is my father? And that's so key with him. Where is my father? Where is God in this? And so... A question that you have reading this is, what is God going to do about this? How is God going to earn Job's trust back? When this situation happened to Job, what is God going to do about it? God hasn't spoken much. It's been a lot of Job and his friends speaking. And God's answer is, is honestly something that we sometimes struggle with, 
I don't know. We, we're looking for a direct answer from God. Like, God could say, hey, Job, it was actually Satan who challenged me in this, and I'm going to, uh, and that's why I did it. He doesn't say that, actually. Um, and so he first begins, God uh, answers Job through what we would say is rhetorical questions, which is designed rather to make a point than to get an answer. And so he, he starts with the creation of the earth. You read in Job chapter 38, I believe, um, God comes to Job and he says, um, where were you when I blank? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you when I measured the foundations of the earth? And, and this is obviously something very illustrative, um, but it basically is saying, God is saying, I gave the most tiny detail to everything that I've created. He actually goes down in a list. He begins with the biggest things in creation, like the size of the earth, and he gets down to an eagle. So he basically goes down this line, and he's like, Job, I have given attention to absolutely everything that I've created in my life. And so this is almost an answer in itself. Job, if I have given this much attention to everything, then I have certainly given attention to you. Um... And so, actually, in that first round of questions, Job realizes something. He, he's like, God you, um, God, you have given so much detail to me. Who am I to say what is right and wrong in your eyes? Um, I'm just going to turn there. It's Job chapter 38. Um, you feel free to turn there as well. Um, Yeah, uh, actually, yeah, so we'll move to chapter 40. So after he asks all these questions, uh, verse 40, chapter 6, and I'll read it. Um, uh, chapter 40, verse 6. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Now prepare yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. Would you indeed annul my judgment? Would you condemn me that you may be justified? Have you an arm like God, or can you thunder with a voice like his? Then adorn yourself with majesty and splendor, and array yourself with glory and beauty. And so uh, that was to verse 10. But basically what God is saying um, all the way to verse 14 is he's saying, Job, if you think you're a better judge than I, then save yourself. And so it's, it's this idea of, is that there is evil in the world, but you need God in the process. And that's what, that's what God is that's an answer that God almost gives Job in that. Um, he's saying, uh, let me find it. Yeah, God is basically saying, Job, there is evil in the world, and, and it is a reality, but, but you also, there is also a, a reliance that you can have on me in that evil in your life. And, and, and the challenge is, Job, can you really save yourself? If you think you're a better judge than me, then can you get yourself out of your situation? And, and he actually gives, so that's the first round of questions, but then he does a second one. He describes two animals, or two beings, I guess we could say. They're very poetic descriptions. We don't really know a lot about them. Um, and so it's two creatures, or creations. There's, it's, uh, they're, I guess, known as the behemoth and the leviathan. They're kind of strange kind of creatures, animals that we don't really understand that much. Um, some people have compared them to a hippopotamus or like a dragon. Um, I, I don't know exactly if that's the thing, but the idea is God first says to Job is uh, chapter 40, verse 
15, look at the behemoth which I made along with you. So God describes this first creature as being a powerful creature who um, is the first of the ways of God um, and is somebody who, though a river rushes against him, he remains strong. And, and in a way that is interesting with this interpretation is God has made this creature as he has made Job. And he actually compares the two of them. And he's saying, Job, you are like this creature. You are somebody who, if the river around it is turbulent, he is not frightened. And though the Jordan rushes against him, he is not afraid. This is similar. This is like, almost like an affirmation God is giving to Job. He's saying, Job, you have gone through tough things, but you have remained strong. And sometimes that's what we need sometimes in in our, in our struggles with God, sometimes God just wants to give us affirmation in those times. And it can be very, very hard to persevere, and I understand that. And sometimes we don't understand anything, but the answer that God first gives Job is affirmation. This is one of the key things he gives. He's like, Job, you are doing well. You are, it's okay. You are doing well, despite the fact that you don't understand, and I'm proud of you for that. And sometimes that's, we need to, that's what we need to hear is, even though it's hard, God is still with us, and he's still for us. And sometimes we forget that God is for us in things like that. And, and the second creature that God goes over with Job is called the Leviathan. And this creature is not compared to Job. This creature is something that is unstoppable. It's something that is chaotic, destructive, and just levels everything in its path. Uh, you can read about it in chapter 41 of Job. And this is almost like a lesson for Job. And he's like, God is saying, Job, there is evil in the world, but who can approach it but I? There is evil in this world. And, and of course, we know that that is because of sin and the fall of man in nature. But God is saying to Job, Job, there's always going to be this evil in your life. But how are you going to handle it? Are you going to try to take it on yourself? And sometimes that's our first reaction. When we don't understand what's happening, we try to control the situation. God, just let me, let me take care of it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it all myself. I'm going to figure out a plan. I'm going to make a strategy. I'm going to ask my friends. I'm going to get control of the situation. And sometimes it, it doesn't help. Sometimes it's just so out of control that our, our struggle for control is like grasping the wind or grasping water. It just kind of runs through your hands. And so this, if Job wants to make his own reality, if he wants to make a life without God and say, God, I reject you for doing this injustice to me, then he's going to have to deal with evil by himself. He's still, he, so God is basically saying, Job, you need me to help you through what you're going through. Whether you want me or not, you, you do need me. You, you do need God to, to walk through what is sometimes described in our life as chaos. <laughs> um, God is the creator. And, and in the creation story, it's so beautiful that that God silences chaos. It says there's waters, which in, in the Hebrew understanding was a way of chaos. The sea was chaotic. The sea was uncontrollable. Nobody could really take control of the sea because it, you know, storms and whenever it hits, floods, like turbulence, nature. And, and God is somebody who can overcome that. God alone is the creator. God alone can still waters. And you see that so beautifully in Jesus. In a storm, in a chaotic storm, Jesus is the only one who can walk on top of chaos. And he's the only one who can silence chaos. And so this is, the, this is the restoration that, these are the two answers that God gives Job. He's saying, Job, I have seen everything in my life. I have noticed all the creation. I have seen everything. And, where, and you think I'm not there, but I have observed every little detail about creation. From the foundations of the world, how I created it, to the eagle that flies through the air. I have seen everything. And, and then he affirms Job, just retracing my steps a bit. He affirms Job and says, Job, I, you have done well. 
in your chaos, you have done well. And then he, he finally answers in the hard question, Job, if you want to make your own reality, and that's often Job's complaint in his book, he's saying, God, I wish there was an arbitrator. I, think there, I wish there was somebody who could judge between me and you and look at my case, and I want to take control of my situation. And God is saying to Job, well, if you want to take control of your situation, how are you going to deal with it? How are you going to take control of all the evil that's around you? You need me. And, and I think that dependence is something that God often takes us through, is that dependence upon him saying, God, I truly do need you in my life. Um, and so what happens is Job answers this, um, he answers in chapter 42, and I'm going to read it, verses 1 through 6, actually, if you want to turn with me there. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. Verse 5 and 6 of chapter 42. I have heard of you by the hearing of ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And it's, and it's very interesting, verse 5 in particular. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. And, and it's very interesting, this idea of seeing. And Job asked often, where is God? He couldn't see God. He couldn't find God. And this is his conclusion after his suffering, after God answers him. I see you. He finally gains that relationship with God. He finally meets God where he's at. He finally sees God. And, and in that suffering, that is where he sees God. It's, it's, in that, it's in that process that now he, he is restored in relationship. And that's what happens after uh, verses onward from verse 7 to 17 of chapter 42. God restores Job's relationship. His, his friends come around him. His family come around him. That's the key part is, is God brings Job out of that shameful place and puts him back into relationship with other people. And that's the restoration that happens. And so um, the book of Job doesn't really give a full answer that Job might have wanted, but it is something that he needed to learn. Um, and, and now that we know that God sees everything, sometimes, well, Job's situation, he could have wondered, does God really understand then what I go through? And the answer to that question is through Jesus. Because Jesus was somebody who went through everything that we went through. And that is God's answer to that book. It's Jesus. There is somebody who was sent to earth to live through what you have lived through, to go through what you have gone through, and who can relate with you and who is somebody who is God, but is also relatable as we are to one another, because it's Jesus. Um, and so, how do we deal with the, the chaos around us? And it's, and it's through going to God. It's through fearing the Lord. It's through doing, um, yeah, the, the conclusion of Job, that fear of the Lord is the only thing that can bring order out of chaos. That's the only wise path we can take in our lives is when things seem out of control, it's coming to God. It's that relationship with God. It's that respect to God. And knowing who God is and knowing who we are, that is how we can bring some kind of sense to the madness, to the, what happens in our lives that seems so turbulent. Um, and so the application out of all of this <laughs> is perseverance. And the word persevere is, um, it's very interesting. The the, the word is, is, is a Hebrew word, and it's almost a, a description of holding on to something. If I was to grab this and hold on to it with all I had. And, and it's this continuing steadfastly. It, it's, you remain in patience while holding on. And yeah, the, there's such a beauty in that description of how we persevere. How do we persevere in our lives? We hold on to something, 
and we be patient with it. We hold on to God. We hold on to Jesus in our lives. That's how perseverance comes. That's what James is saying. He's saying, remember that story of Job. Remember how he remained faithful to God. Remember how when he didn't understand, God met him, and, and he learned how to walk with God. And how he feared the Lord in, in everything. And, and so in our lives, it's that word, perseverance. How do we persevere? How do we make it through the situations of our day-to-day lives? How do we deal with, with things that seem out of control? It's persevere. It's patience. It's holding on to that thing. It's holding on to God. And, and it's walking with him in, in, in steadfastness and saying, God, I don't understand, but I know that you're in relationship with me, and I know that you understand. And, and always keep that in mind in, in that God is for us. And, and sometimes we can lose that. We can, we can sometimes so easily lose the idea that God is for us and that he is somebody who wants us to, to walk with him and to, be, and to become well. And, and often, like Job, we can say, where is my father? Where is God, the one I put my trust in? Where is he? I saw him, but now I don't. I, I, feel, I feel shame. I feel isolation. I don't know how to deal with what I'm going through. And, and, that's, and that's when we turn to God. That's when we say, Jesus, you understand you, you are what we go through, and, and, when we, and, that, and that often drives us to further relationship with God. It drives us to further seek the face of Jesus. And so, um, yeah, that's a, that's a little bit of the story of, of Job, and yeah, it's trust. It's holding on to what God is saying and, and, and walking with him um, in that. And so that's a bit about the story of Job. There's a lot to this book. I encourage you to read it. It's, it's a beautiful book of wisdom. That's what Job is. It's a book of wisdom. How do, we, how do we deal with things in the world? And Job really teaches us that in his life. And so, um, yeah, so I want to encourage us all today to persevere in whatever we're going through. God understands and he's with us. And, and it takes time. And it's, and it's tough. But, and I, I don't want to downplay anything that anyone goes through because I don't understand. But, yeah, God understands. He's, he's paid such attention and detail to absolutely everything. He knows everything. And, and he wants to affirm you in your life. So I would say in that, ask God, what do you want to say to me? How can you speak to me in my life right now? And, and God will so graciously speak to us in our lives and speak into our situations and maybe not give us all the answers, but he will give that affirmation to keep going and say, you, you, I see you and I'm with you and I'm for you. Amen. <laughs> so let's pray. Thank you, God, so much. Father, for the story of Job, God, um, thank, you for his, thank you for perseverance, God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in us, that you are with us, God, and, and that you just speak so strongly to us in our lives. And yeah, I just want to remind us together as a body that we are not alone. And, and anyone who feels alone right now or feels alone in their situation, yeah, God is with you. God is with you. We have brothers and sisters around us also to encourage and edify one another. And so I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you just speak to us today on, on, on who we are in you, God, and, and how you see us, Father God, and, and help us to be more dependent upon you every single day. Amen.